to the Hero Smith Podcast, live from the vault. This is uh, Chad Coleman, founder of Hero Smith, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, DeAndre Dow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to see you again, DeAndre. How you been, man? Man, I'm blessed. It's an absolute pleasure to be here as always, man. Always a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast. It's uh, We've been talking about it for months, so it's great to, to dive into our second episode here. The sequel. And the sequel, the return <laughs> of Live from the Vault. You might be asking yourself, why do we call it Live from the Vault? Well, that's because at Herosmith, we built our podcast studio at our studio here uh, inside of an old bank vault. So that's where we came up with the name for that. And the uh, metaphor of unlocking the vault of knowledge to help entrepreneurs. So what is the Life in the Vault? It is a uh, no-holds-barred raw look at business, um, technology, and uh, entrepreneurship. And a little bit about the absurdity of modern life. And um, speaking of absurdity of modern life, I you know things have been so strange now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And, uh, and I obviously don't want my every, we're going to talk about this every week. It's not the main topic of the day for sure, but, but, uh, but it's certainly it's infused into all our lives and it is kind of related to largely the areas that you and I, uh, kind of cross over, which is entrepreneurship. Right. You know, um, uh, both of us, uh, multiple time entrepreneurs and, and, um, you know, folks that kind of see the world a little bit differently, we entrepreneurs do. So, um, and what I wanted to talk about today, really, to just dive right into things, <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about is um, the fact that I think everyone in their life, everyone, I should say, should at some point in their life start their own business. I think it's a, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, first off, you know, even before COVID-19 hit uh, the world, entrepreneurship was quickly, the ideas and the skills around entrepreneurship was quickly becoming a survival skill rather than what it's been in the past, sort of a lifestyle choice, right? Like you, you have a dream, you want to build something and you, you know, just can dive into it and do that should you so choose. And the really interesting thing is that um, you know, I think even before COVID, the way things were going with automation and AI in the, in the workplace, um, or taking over a, a large uh, percentage of, of jobs that, that most, frankly, a lot of people hold still to this day, um, you know, those jobs are going to be automated uh, away. A lot of them. Absolutely. Even in the, uh, ride share space, obviously, uh, Rideshare platforms like a if like a Lyft or an Uber, I should say, have taken a dramatic uh, hit and have experienced a, a crazy loss in percentage as far as rideshare requests. So they've actually uh, tapped into having these uh, self-driven cars like Tesla and everything that go ahead and adopt to the new times that we're experiencing right now. So that's clearly evident of what's going on. For sure, yeah, I I 100% agree. I think if you were to get inside the heads of the founders of Uber and Lyft um, even several years ago before this, the pandemic. Um, I think they always had an eye on that, you know, and that's kind of the scary thing. I mean, they certainly, you know, obviously created a lot of, um, I don't know, how would you describe it? You've been an Uber driver before at times right. in your life. So, I mean, 
obviously it's kind of like a it's a gig job it's a gig work right I right mean, it's kind of part of the gig economy and practically the poster child for the gig economy yeah so but i mean like were you ever at a point where that could have sustained you and like lived a normal life off of that if you had to absolutely even though i didn't want to make that a long-term um career decision if you even want to call it a career they consider us an independent contractors so we're not traditional employees where we receive the traditional benefits of an employee employer relationship in terms of health care right. and you know sick leave and things like that or whatever but it was definitely um it was the perfect vehicle for me to make the transition from being a former employee to becoming self-employed to be able to finance my own business and still be able to pay the bills so and be able to control and leverage your own time and it kind of conditions you for that becoming your own chief executive and everything. So it was essentially the perfect vehicle, but I think moving forward, I think people are going to have to kind of reassess what kind of side hustles that they do. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, in my opinion, my humble opinion, uh, I think everyone's going to have to sort of find some sort of side hustle. And we know with the, the advent or the proliferation of AI even things like that we've been, you know, like yourself have used like Uber and Lyft and stuff like that as potential side hustles to earn extra money or even a main source of income. Those are going away. Uh, and I and if I could guess, you know, kind of going back to my earlier point, it's just that I would imagine the founders had that in their long term vision uh, from the very beginning. Right. We've seen the self-driving cars thing, you know, coming down the road for a while. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. that's that's actually a brilliant uh strategy you know i mean like uh you know um i think his name is reed hastings the founder of netflix you know he talked about how you know a lot of people don't even remember now but netflix obviously was a dvd you know mail delivery business mm-hmm. uh back in 1999 but he knew that that was a, a step to what he ultimately wanted to create which was a streaming platform and um but you know, DVDs being the predominant medium at the time and the, the proliferation of broadband and internet wasn't quite, you know, to streaming HD levels. Well, I don't even know if they had HD in 99, to be honest, probably probably $40,000 TV and <laughs> to get HD in 99. But, but yeah. Um, so he had the long-term vision to really look kind of through, okay, like this is my first step. I'll start this DVD delivery business which will end the the consumer um, problem of late fees. I mean that the, I think he even talked about how he got a forty dollar late fee returning a video to Blockbuster, and uh, that kind of inspired him to be like, "Well, this is ridiculous! Like somehow we have to create a way that we could, people could rent movies where there are no late fees and we can still make money." And then he kind of had this idea of like a gym kind of you know like a subscription thing. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and it, and it worked, but, but, uh, the larger point is, is that, um, you know, we, even before COVID-19, we we're heading in this direction. I mean, um, automation had already wiped out like 4.5 million jobs in the last, um, eight or 10 years already. And that's just one industry that was large. I mean, largely that was, uh, around the automotive industry, you know, they, they went through major labor disputes with unions and whatnot. And, and I think the, the executives there started saying, well, <laughs> you know, machines don't require healthcare. 
merely maintenance. Right. Absolutely. And I think you're speaking on something important um, with the common theme between all these um, technologies and, and industries is basically the business model. So you basically have, even with the Netflix example that you just used or whatever, you have a business model that was initially DVD that shifted over to the streaming platform eventually. Same thing with Uber and Lyft with the self-driving cars and everything. Don't get it twisted. These are technologies that they've been working on, but COVID-19 essentially expedited this process. Even if you think about the last time that you called your cable provider or your cell phone or um, you know, electricity provider or whatever. The last time you called, it was press one for directions, press two to right. pay a bill, press three for this, and finally after 10 other options, it's like, to speak with an operator, press zero. So those <laughs> right. jobs have already disappeared. Yeah. They started disappearing a long time ago. So we spoke even on the last episode as far as the work from home business model, and mm-hmm. that's a new one that we're currently, you know, experiencing right now. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, t- spot on, right? And And here's the scary part. You know, so automation and AI basically killed 4.5 million jobs, nearly destroyed the city of Detroit, you know, highly automated, uh, automotive uh, city. And, uh, and, and it really, I mean, it, it, it practically destroyed the city. I mean, they're still rebuilding many years later. Um, and here's the scary part. Huge organizations that study these kind of things like McKinsey said said even before the pandemic now they said that uh by 2030 up to 800 million jobs will disappear because of ai and automation 800 million 800 million so that's like double that's more than double the population of the entire united states this is obviously a worldwide number but when you start thinking about that that's that's insane like uh now add in you know this pandemic and i think I think that that's just accelerated this and accelerated the need for people to have entrepreneurial skills and, and, and it's transformed that it's, it's really quickened the pace at which entrepreneurship has become a survival skill versus a lifestyle choice. And, um, and then, and you know, my, but largely I think, you know, um, you maybe I hate to say it's a silver lining, but, um, if this pandemic kind of forces people to rethink and, and maybe consider starting a, a new line of revenue, cause we all know so many people have been furloughed or um, moved back to part-time or, or obviously even lost their jobs. And, you know, it doesn't look like for the time being, and at least the next several months that those jobs are just going to pop back and people are going to go back. Um, it, same thing happened in the automotive uh, crash, you know, companies learned oh wow geez well i guess we could we kind of got by with you know 20 percent less workers on staff and we're making more and now things are good so we're making even more money than we made before hey let's not bring those people back bottom line is you can't rely on corporations to care about people first they always are going to care about what their stockholders want which is profits so um so i think that you know, I think this pandemic has, has jolted everyone, or at least it should sort of jolt everyone into realizing that um, you got to have a backup plan at the very least. You have to have some sort of side hustle um, because if, if you get the corporate rug pulled out from under you, um, you, you don't want to be left, you know, sort of in the dark. And um, 
And, and then you add in the, the AI and automation kind of angle of this. And you think about if, if, if that was, you know, even if it's half of, of, of what they estimated at 800 million, I mean, gosh, that's still more than the population of the United States. So, so, um, so I think it's, it's incredibly important that, that, that we all do a little bit of self-reflection and really start thinking about, um, how can we leverage the skills, our passions to create a business that, um, that's that, 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 that we would love to run and that can support ourselves and, and perhaps even a family someday. Um, and the funny thing, when you talk about AI, cause I, I actually, you know, when I was pitching Hero Smith to investors before I, before I got, I just, I basically decided I didn't, I didn't want to get investors eventually, but I, I tried pitching to investors for a lot of reasons. I mean, why not? But it was just so time consuming. I didn't find it was worth my time and they don't love B2B stuff. So anyway, long story short, enough about my situation. Um, I was using the, the, this idea of entrepreneurship and AI and automation kind of being a, um, a, a shift in society kind of setting the stage one of the things you want to do and when you're creating like a pitch deck for investors, you always want to have a you kind of want to lay out the context of why your business matters and going forward. And obviously at the moment, but the funny thing I kept hearing was not really so much from investors, but as I'd show the deck to other people, they always thought, Oh, it's not going to be my job. It's not my job. That's going to be the one that disappears because of this, but it didn't really hit home. But um, even in a like super creative high tech city, like Denver, um, the Brookings Institute said that like 22, over 22% of jobs have a quote unquote high exposure to being eliminated by AI and automation. And, you know, so, so it's really, uh, so that's a, that's a huge amount. You know, that's a big part. It's a, a fourth of the population of Denver. Right. It's incredible. Absolutely. That's why I don't have a problem with you saying the silver lining earlier. As entrepreneurs, we always have to look at the upside of everything, even during the most chaotic and disruptive times. Um, change is the only constant in life. Thank I remember you. a billionaire told me one time, if you don't get used to change, that's all you're going to have in your pocket. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's so great. Yeah, that's huge. I think that um, anyone who's been an entrepreneur for a while realizes that you have to ride the wave of change. It's it's it's. And you have to embrace it. In fact, it's one of the, it's one of Harrowsmith's company values. And I, and I caught a lot of flack from the, my fellow, uh, you know, uh, my co-founder and my, and my um, employees, they, you know, how can embracing change be a company value? And that's just what you pointed out is exactly the reason it is, is because it is inevitable. Um, life and, and society is constantly changing. I'm a big science nerd. So, I even think about it on like, even at like a molecular level, literally nothing is, is the same from moment to moment. So, and at the macro level, obviously our universe is expanding. Oh boy. Don't let me get started on that science nerd coming out. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so you got to embrace change and, and all the great entrepreneurs um, do that. All the ones, uh, I mean, you can pr pretty much anyone that you can name that you would think of that was uber successful would, uh, you know, 
would would be someone that that embraced change and often and the really funny thing about it is too or actually the really cool thing is that's like a skill you can cultivate within yourself um the ability to recognize when things are coming and then the ability to not cuz so many people i meet they they their first reaction to to something new something different is ah stop i don't you know i want things to stay the same you know almost never happens. I mean, you know, it, it, if, if you can see the change coming, you better embrace it and figure out how you're going to fit into, um, you know, it's going to work into your life or your business. If you already have one. Um, I mean, COVID-19 is a perfect example of that. Yeah. A lot of people are being forced into this change. So whether you like it or not, when you have your back against the wall, I feel like a lot of people are now just now starting to discover that skill set that they didn't even know they had initially until they were actually, you know, Forced to play their hand. Totally. And that that brings me to the the overall point is that even if you're feel really comfortable right now and you know you, you're lucky enough to be in an industry that um, or work for a company and be in an industry that's that's um, sort you know that's sort of needed in this time or you know one of the there's several you know delivery businesses, uh, grocery stores, things like that um, that have been benefited from from the pandemic uh in a certain sense um even if you're in one of those companies i think it's incredibly important to start considering um what kind of business you would start and and start planning that and out and thinking about it and here's why i think everyone should do it even if it's just a side hustle that you work on on the weekends uh or or whatever uh, the reason i think everyone there's a few key reasons I think everyone at least at one point in their life should start a business. And the first one for me was that when you start a business, you learn really quickly what your limitations are as a person. You, you start to understand that, Oh, I'm really good at X and Y, but Z, Oh man, Z is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we all go through that. At certain points in times, especially when you're starting a business, it's, it really comes down to organizing your team because you're going to need a team at some point. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan, LeBron James, they'll tell you. Yep. You see what I'm saying? They needed a sidekick. They needed that go-to um, when all the pressure was essentially on them. Even though they're essentially supposed to perform in moments like that, they just need help. because you know. So you essentially got to organize your team according to their strengths and knowing your strengths and weaknesses is a huge part of it. Yeah. And when you start out, most people start out doing it all themselves, you know? And, 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 and so that's when you have to think about like, okay, I realize now I'm six months, three months into this and I need to hire some help in this area where I, I'm limited, you know, where I, I, that's not my strength. So I want to hire for that. And, um, just from like a personal growth perspective too, the really interesting thing for me was like that understanding where my limitations were and where I lack skills actually made me early on, like really try to focus in on those areas uh, of, of where I was lacking and try to improve them in myself. And it can be a massive uh, boost to you as a person. You know, I think uh, as I got, as I've gotten older, you know, when I was young, I was just like, you know, if there was something that like I wasn't great at, I'd just be like, fuck that. I'm not even touching that. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and, and, and as I've gotten older, I, I've, I've, I've kind of gotten a different mentality. Like uh, I want to rise to challenges more and improve myself. And entrepreneurship is an absolutely wonderful way to do that. Not only to see those limitations, but to take them and say, well, how could I at least get competent enough until I can hire someone to do this yeah. for me so that, and that's going to help you, you know, the more visibility you have in all the different parts of your business, the, the better off you're going to be. Um, and then, you know, kind of the flip side of that too is um, uh, uh, my second big reason. I think that people should, everyone should start a business at some point in their life is that it humbles you, you know, because, <laughs> right. It gives you perspective. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Sure does. Going from employee to employer. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, I look back and like, think about what an asshole that was to some of my employers. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Right. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, being on the other side of that equation, I have definitely gotten, I've gotten some karma back on that front. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, it really humbles you. And, and I think every experienced entrepreneur really knows that failure is part of the, it's part of the process. It doesn't necessarily mean your whole business is going to fail, but you know, there are, I, there's probably hundreds of ideas I've had about the various businesses I've started over the years that, um, I was so sure about going in and the, and they just turned out to be, you know, they didn't work. The, 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 the idea that I was trying to pursue, whether it was a marketing thing or, you know, um, some sort of pricing structure, whatever it is, could be any number of things. These little micro kind of failures really teach you that, that, Hey, uh, that, that embrace the change. We tried this idea. It didn't work rather than throwing good money at a bad idea. Kill that little part, call it a failure. What did I learn? And what am I going to do different? What's the new idea? What's the change that I can make? Exactly. You just said the key word, Chad. You said teach, meaning that I've learned in my personal experience that failures can sometimes be your biggest blessing. You see what I'm saying? A loss doesn't necessarily mean a defeat. It could just mean a setback. It could be a delay. But in that process, you always inevitably learn and grow from that. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it... It, yeah, you learn so much more from failure. Um, I've learned from do. more of my losses than I ever have my wins. And I love my wins, but, I've, you know, you just don't grow necessarily from your wins as much as you do your losses. Yeah, which sounds like a odd uh, kind of like uh, benefit I'm trying to <laughs> point out about starting your own business. But um, but it's true. It's it's uh, it is it is very humbling and that makes you grow as, as a human being. And um you know, the other factor, too, is like, um, I think being an entrepreneur, and we kind of touched on this a second ago with the idea of like it, um, you know, uh, working with the employee employer relationship and sort of understanding the other side once you start your own business and start building a team. Um, but being an entrepreneur makes you very self-sufficient, too. You know what I mean? Like you, you realize that, like, you know, I... I I can't, I don't have to rely. I'm not worried. My fate is in my own hands. Like I'm not worried about like through this whole pandemic thing. Yes. Obviously I'm worried about my business and I'm trying to adapt and change things to make sure that we're, you know, ready for this new reality. Um, 
but I never had that feeling like, oh God, I hope I don't, you know, I'm going to be extra nice to the boss now because I'm worried about being the one that gets laid off and, and what am I going to do? Um, you know, it, it's a whole different mentality, right? It's like, okay, well, what I need to do to make sure that we get this, that, that we adapt and, and embrace this change and go forward and continue growing or, or being a successful business. It's a whole different mindset. Right. Um, and so that kind of leads me to the next kind of topic I wanted to discuss with you, um, which is obviously related, but, uh, I think what, do you remember before you started your first business? Like, did you have any fears around it or like, Chad, I was so young, man. Um, I remember writing my first rap because I used to perform. Um, rap was my first passion, I would say, off top. Um, going all the way back to grade school, rapping at birthday parties, getting paid $20 to go rap at these nice. little birthday parties and things like that. You're just so caught up in the passion and the creativity of it all that you really don't see any fear until you experience that roadblock, that very first roadblock. So it's been so long, man. I can't <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Totally. And I, 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 I can actually identify with that. Uh, cause I played music coming up, you know, too. And, um, and I, I really wish like that I understood all the, you know, at least even a 10% of what I understand about business now. And I sort of applied that to my, my, the bands I was in growing up and all that stuff, man, we, we even if we weren't that great, we probably would have been more successful and yes, gotten paid to, to play somewhere sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of fears that people have and, and I just kind of wanted to kind of speak to some of them and, you know, um, you know, feel free to reach out to us via social or whatever. And, um, when we post this and, and kind of tell us what fears you had before starting your business, I'd love to learn about more, but, um, you know, obviously the failure thing is huge. You know, people have built up, they feel like they're, especially men, I find, um, they, they put a lot of energy into what they do is uh, as a part of them, like as a part of their personality. Right. right. And I, I don't know why that is. And I'm sure that obviously it's women do this too. I'm sure. But I feel like men are, are really caught up in this kind of a bit of a, like a vanity kind of thing. Like I, I do, you know, I, I've worked here for this long and I do this and that mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And so, um, so I think that's where the idea of failure of worrying about, well, if I start my own business and it doesn't work out, you know, that's going to hurt my stature because we right. tie ourselves so much to our jobs as our, as our status. And you know what that is, Chad? It's called the ego. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And men have to learn, especially have to learn how to remove that ego in a lot of different situations, especially when it comes to business, because that can be your biggest detriment standing in your way from even attaining any type of progress whatsoever. Yes, totally. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, in fact, I would go even maybe a step a little further. Almost every mistake I've made in any company I've been in has sort of been around something that I had, some idea that I had stuck in my mind that was probably, probably frankly, part of my ego. You know, it's probably somehow tied up into the idea. Now, um, obviously, I didn't let that stop me from starting my own business. But I think that, you know, if you've worked your whole life and granted, you know, you know, we're I'm, we're a decade or so apart, maybe a little more, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, um, 
I grew up in the era where the idea of entrepreneurship was so foreign. Like I only had one entrepreneur in my family and it was my grandmother, which is a whole nother story. Started a business in like 1940, 41 uh, as a woman. So I'm sure I'll talk more about her. She was definitely an inspiration, but like by the time I met her, obviously she was in her sixties and we, you know, this didn't come up till much later in her life where we, I even knew she started a business. So, um, like literally none of my friends or my parents, his friends owned their own company. Everyone worked for someone else. The idea, in fact, I, I remember sort of, you know, uh, not really specifically, but I just remember like when my dad or, or, or my parents would talk about people that they knew that were entrepreneurs. It was always kind of like, Oh man, he's a little bit crazy. You know, he's kind of, start his own business. Look at this crazy guy. And so, and I think that the education system is, is mainly to blame. I mean, especially back in, uh, you know, back in the day uh, when I was coming up, we were, we were basically, um, the education system was designed to create good workers for factories or rote kind of work, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like designed to like give you the basic skills so that you can go get a job and work for a company for 30 years. Exactly. Know? So it was like discipline and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, teamwork and, and not there's, those are obviously good concepts that one has to learn and can help you in entrepreneurship. But it was also, it was such a foreign idea. Well, that obviously that's changed over the, the last, you know, whatever, 20 years or something. And uh, I think it's obviously great for society, but I think people need to, you know, and I think this this time now that we're in is a great opportunity where we're saving, like, I think the average American commutes 27 minutes uh, each way a day. So even if you spent that one hour a day, even if you have a normal job and you keep it, spend that one hour that, that you saved uh, and, and, and try to start something. Even if it's you just plan for it to always be like a side hustle and you keep your main gig, at least you'd have something there for you. And um, and don't worry about the idea of failure because again, as we talked about, you can, you, you'll learn more from that than, than, uh, than, uh, even your successes. Um, and then, you know, the other fear I think that people have is like, they have that, well, it's not really a fear. It's more of an, a concept. Like, I think we've gotten so wrapped up in like the shark tank kind of entrepreneurship, like that kind of idea of like, Oh, I've got to be the next, you know, Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or Bill Gates or something and and to start a business. And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, those those guys are the exceptions, you know. I mean, obviously they're billionaires for a reason. And um and not not that you shouldn't strive to, you know, try to try to try to, you know, do something that groundbreaking, but you don't have to. Right. right? There's so many business opportunities that um that you know that are out there that you could leverage if you just are the type of person that's like want to have more control over your destiny want to you know have more control over how much money you make there's so many opportunities to start businesses that have nothing to do with like some new fangled you know patent you'll need to get or technology you'll need to invent right and you can find those examples to be admirable you know yeah, you can absolutely. you can use that as a source of inspiration and everything, but you shouldn't have to compare your story to theirs. You should be able to embrace 
your own path. All of us are on our own different journeys. And as entrepreneurs, we're already going down the roads that are less traveled. So you really have to get to a point to where you're really embracing that, embracing your differences. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah, it's it's so important. I think that, um, you know, I, it's funny, like when people ask me, like, well, I wouldn't I've always wanted to start a company. I just don't know what to do. And and this is a terrible example because I could see why people wouldn't want to do this. But there are so many businesses out there that one could start. And I promise you, I would almost guarantee you that you would be busy as be as busy as you could possibly be and make tons of money. One example that always comes to mind is plumber. If you want to start a business and you want to be guaranteed to make good money and to always be busy, not have to really even worry about marketing yourself too much, frankly, um, uh, you know, gets become a plumber. I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, if you if you're the type of person that doesn't want to, you know, you just kind of want to have control of your own destiny, you know, set your own hours, um, you know, uh, not have a boss. Um, you know, which is a huge benefit to a lot of, I think it's one of the major reasons that, that, uh, people start businesses. Um, you know, there's, there's industries like that, that give you that, were, that, 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 that are so, there's so many people that, that have, that need those kind of jobs. I mean, I think of plumber because like, so I'm in this organization called B and I, it's a business networking group. I highly recommend it to most small business owners, especially, um, if you're well, for me in my case, I, I work with small business owners on their marketing and and brands and whatnot. But um, but if you're any kind of home service business or or really you know um, almost every kind of business, unless you're like purely like an online digital product or or something like that, or even just, I mean, there are even product businesses in there. But um, but I highly recommend joining one because you set up this referral partnership. Let me tell you there's so many businesses in there that absolutely depend on their relationships that they develop in this BNI networking group um, uh, for probably huge parts of their revenue. And would you, and we cannot get a plumber in there and save our lives. Like we would love to have a plumber join the group. They're all so damn busy, but they don't, they don't need to go to BNI. Gosh, you. They can't even keep up with the amount of work and opportunities that they have just from telling a few people that, you know, so, so there's opportunities out there if you want to do this. And, you, and you, obviously in that case, you don't mind getting your hands dirty. Uh, I could never do it. I'm too much of a germ freak, but, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So don't worry about that. Uh, you know, just ultimately the biggest thing I think the, or the, the, the biggest thing you really have to do is find a problem that you're passionate about solving. That's it. It sounds so simple, but that's what business essentially is. You see what I'm saying? You, totally. you, you supply the demand. If you see a void in the marketplace that nobody else is serving, that could be you right, right. there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I don't know about you, but and maybe it's just because I am getting a little older. I'm like, uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've had to like consciously keep myself from complaining about things. <laughs> Because right, I, I get that old man, uh, you know, people start calling me an old man if I, oh, I'm so grumpy all the time. But, um, but you know, uh, that can be a source. Like, it doesn't even have to be like a problem that you're like, you know, 
I mean, it's better if it's a problem that you're like super passionate about. And, and, and obviously if you have like a personal connection or a mission behind what you do, that'll even help you be more successful because that, that kind of creates a palpable basis for your brand and whatnot. Um, but it can also just be something that super annoys you, <laughs> you know, it can just be something that like, ah, uh, man, that's a fact. Let me tell you something like a couple random things. Um, First of all, touching on that point, I met a millionaire last weekend, and um, he's been in Forbes at least four times. Um, I believe he's 23, 24 years old. He has a business that generates over a million dollars a month currently, and he's basically um, selling self-insulated cups, and it started with the fact that he hated drinking hot beer. He hated drinking hot wine, so he decided to come up with a product that would solve that problem. Three, four years later, he's in Forbes. Wow, that's crazy. Incredible. Prime example. And yeah. Then, just to touch on something earlier that you said as far as uh, the plumbing and everything, you know what's crazy, Chad? Well, I've been seeing a lot of, especially in recent weeks with stay-at-home orders in place and what's stuff that? like that, um, people picking up dog shit. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of vans and trucks. That, really? that business has seen despite with the amount of people walking their dogs now. Sure. That are, you know, obviously right. dogs walking around, you know, <laughs> doing their thing yeah. or whatever. So the... The demand for that has increased. No kidding. Wow, right? That's, cool. that's what I'm saying. Huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. There, the, the kind of sad thing about life is, is that it's filled with problems. But if you're an entrepreneur, every single one of those problems is an opportunity. And it's not, you know, here's the crazy thing. You don't even have to solve a problem that no one else is solving. I mean, that would be ideal, right? You have a chance to build a, a bigger business and and really capture a big part of market share if you do solve a problem that no one else is really working on but some problems are so pervasive that like even if you're not the only company solving it you could just solve the problem in a different way right yeah, like and and that can be an opportunity so again don't worry about trying to reinvent the wheel uh just find a problem that you are passionate about solving or that annoys you to the point of passion uh, of solving and um, and you'll be on your way, you know, and then, you know, obviously like uh, another step to kind of like taking that first, this early stages of entrepreneurship is, is to really do some self-evaluation, like sit down and make a list of things that you like to do or that like, um, or that you're good at. And, um, and just literally write them down. You know, I, I love uh, animals and I'm, um, I don't know, I'm good with, my, you know, my, my hands. I can, I, you know, I'm good with tools. I'm, you know, and just make a list of everything that, that you like to do, that you're good at, that you're passionate about. And then, and then step back from that list and sort of evaluate it and see, like, are there any connection points? Is there anything that I'm good at that, um, that, 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 you know, that could help one of the groups of people I like or the, you know, whether it's animals or, or people or whatever, you know, um, is there anything that I can do there? Now, I'm not saying it's as easy as, you know, obviously entrepreneurship is challenging. Um, that's why we spent the first 10 minutes talking about failure. Right. But, uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, but, but really ultimately like, I think it's just about finding that that problem, that big issue that either irks you or that you're that you're from from like a mission perspective want to try to solve, 
And then simply just ask yourself, like, um, how can I improve this situation? Like with the skill set that I have. Um, and that's another thing too. make a good list. Just sit down and make another list. That's like, okay, I like this stuff. I'm passionate about this. Um, here's all the skills I have based on my experience. Um, you know, it's funny. We were talking before we started taping about, um, you know, you were mentioning some of the different jobs that you had, you had done over your life. And, and some of them, I didn't even realize, even though we've talked about different, you know, career things and stuff in the past a lot, but, um, I find that, that a lot of entrepreneurs that I, that I've met over the years, um, have had that same thing where they've had a lot of varying different things that they've done in their lives. And, you know, the, the and I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that's a, that's a good thing. I think what, well, you know, you need to be a multifaceted person, you know, I'm good at at least a few different aspects of business to create a successful business. So, so I think if you're that kind of person, that might be a good sign that you, you, uh, should really consider entrepreneurship. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then, so the other factor that I want to talk about too, was that, um, you know, and it kind of, kind of speaks to, to what we were talking about a minute ago, but entrepreneurship is the great equalizer. Like, uh, you know, is it easier if you, you know, were born into a rich family or, or accumulated wealth through, through your work or whatever? Absolutely. It's easier. Obviously you have a bigger safety net, but, um, from the perspective of, is this a viable business? Can I create this into something? Is this something people want and will, will solve big problems that people care enough to pay about or to pay for, I should say. Um, it, you know, you're, everyone's equal in this journey pretty much. I mean, you know, yes, if you have, you know, if you're incredibly wealthy and you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to sink into, you know, your business, um, that's obviously going to help. But, the marketplace is a beast, <laughs> you know, you're, you're either going to pass or fail based on them. Like you may, uh, it may last longer if you have more of a, of a, um, I don't know what the term would be like a, like a, uh, initial investment of your own to work off of for sure. Um, but, uh, ultimately the market is going to tell you whether this idea is viable and it honestly doesn't care whether you're black or white or young or old or, or rich or poor. And I think that's, I think that's valuable too, because you start to get a, you start to realize that like, you know, there's definitely disadvantages. Like I, I grew up poor. I'm not afraid to admit it. I think it's an, I think it's actually an advantage. Yes, sir. I, I grew up with a, my parents were divorced when I was two. Um, I'm, I was close to my dad, but it was the seventies, you know, saw him every other weekend. I think he paid like 40 bucks a month for child support or something like that, um, which is insane to think about. Um, and so I was raised largely by my mom, who was a single working mom who busted her ass, you know, to, uh, eventually become a paralegal and to pay my bills and to keep me in clothes and in school and, and, uh, you know, I, I think I actually see growing up, you know, in that situation, um, 
as a benefit now. Right. I know the people that are um, in a more privileged position probably think you sound crazy right now. But I'm telling you from personal experience myself, um, just with the majority of my family coming from poverty, coming from the struggle, I'm telling you right now, it forces you to be even more creative than you ever imagined. Whether you got to keep the stove open uh, for heat inside the house or whether you got to, you know, substitute water for the milk and the cereal. You see what I'm right. saying? Or yeah. I've seen people uh, using the iron to make grilled cheese sandwiches and stuff like that. You <laughs> right. know, yeah. stuff is crazy. Sure. But yeah. that, that's what an entrepreneur, in a sense, is all about, is being creative. So yeah. when you initially started on this topic, as far as, you know, maybe you don't have the finances initially to start it. But it's not about the money. Money is one aspect of it. And right. Money is external. It's a tool, you know? Yeah. But it's really your greatest gift is going to be your idea. Yeah, absolutely. Your idea and your um, diligence and, and, uh, and ability to, to really focus on it and, and, and to, to dive in deep, you know? And I think that, um, you know, something you said struck a chord with me, um, you know, and, and, and like I said earlier, you know, if you have a big pot of money to start off with, sure, your idea is going to last longer. But I'll tell you what. I have worked with people over the years that have had a lot of capital behind them. And it, I have, we live at, we're so fortunate now to live in a world where we can test out if, if this is a, you know, if your idea for a business is viable, um, you can test that out for not a lot of money. I mean, you could start with less than a thousand dollars, pardon me, less than a thousand dollars. And, and if you spent that money right and, and intelligently and, uh, and did some, you know, just some grunt work, you know, doing the market research, uh, you know, figuring out what problem you saw, figuring out a, a brand message to kind of to, to share that and a value proposition, if you will. And, um, you know, you can spend less than a thousand dollars on some ads to, and just to kind of measure like, okay, do people really care about this? I mean, I have rarely seen something that where people dedicated hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and, and then, and then like they just completely were not successful at all in the beginning. And then suddenly something magically happens because they, they, um, you know, just spend, you know, a ridiculous amount of, uh, of money to, to kind of prove it out. I, I mean, very rarely. I mean, we, I'm sure there's examples throughout time where pioneers, you know, kind of struggled and, and, and had to get to that point where the, the world caught up with them. Um, but, but usually in this super connected world we live in, you can tell if people care enough, you know? Um, I love creating like little micro campaigns really figuring out the core elements of a business. And then rather than like building it all out and like making it a huge thing and dedicating a lot of money, I love just the idea of like, Hey, just putting it out there that, Hey, we're building this business. We're doing this. We're solving your problem this way. Do you want to learn more? Sign up for our email. We'll notify you when we're, when we launch. I mean, if you could spend $300 on Facebook ads and if they're, well executed enough and you got a clear enough problem that you're solving and you can explain that in a couple of sentences. Um, you're, if it is indeed something 
that's viable, you'll you'll see it. You'll see you'll see results. You'll see actual people engaging with it. And um, so yeah, and then th- in that sense, it can be a great equalizer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not how much you have, but what you're doing with what you have. And I believe uh, Fifty Cent in his book, um, The Fiftieth Law, with Robert Greene, I I believe he used the phrase um, "turning shit into sugar." <laughs> essentially like just making the best of your circumstances and once again this just speaks to your true entrepreneurial spirit yeah absolutely i gotta read that book by the way man yeah i got to check yeah, that out yeah most definitely absolutely. yeah because that guy you talk about an entrepreneur i mean geez right he's one of my biggest influences off top without a doubt hands down yeah i mean the, the guy's really you know, obviously, we kind of, a lot of people know his story, you know, came from nothing, I think, from Queens, right? Yes, sir. Grew up poor, shot eight times or something, and something five times. It's crazy. I'm not trying to get shot once. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you feel me? So, okay, yeah. how many times it's been. But this dude continues to reinvent himself, whether um just hustling in Jamaica, Southside, Queens, you know, Southside, Jamaica, Queens, and all that, to um, becoming, uh, you know, the highest-selling debut hip-hop artist in history, up until recently with Rowdy Rich, shout out to Rowdy Rich and everything. First week sales was buku crazy. To um, you know, having the number one uh, TV show in all the television, I believe, actually right behind Game of Thrones at that point. But he continues to reinvent himself. Yeah, yeah, and like instantly got as soon as he got any sort of uh, wealth, you saw him turn to business and invest in things that he believed in. Vitamin so, water. Vitamin water. That was his yeah. biggest payday to date. Yeah, he probably made more money off vitamin water than he did off this music career. Probably double. That's a $100 million plus paycheck. Wow, that's crazy. Nothing related to music. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's true. That's why, you know, people talk about brand and that's why brand is so important. I mean, obviously he needed music to build his brand and obviously he's super talented. I mean, that first record, actually both those, the first two records were incredible. Um, But he needed, you know, once he established that brand, that personal brand, he was able to leverage that and, and um, you know, just make more money than he did even outside of what initially got him there. I mean, Michael Jordan's the same way. I just finished watching the uh, 10 part documentary series on Jordan and super entrepreneurial guy. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny watching him and like, they're talking about how he played and, and, and there's so many entrepreneurial skills in there that I'm not surprised at all. He still makes, I think it was like, I heard the other day, like $124 million a year off of the Jordan brand. Literally, he didn't probably make $124 million in his entire playing career from the NBA. So right. Exactly. It's wild stuff. Wild it is, stuff. Um, where was I going with that, DeAndre? I don't remember. But. Well, I, we had brought up uh, entrepreneurs that had inspired us. And I think that's what led us to this point in the conversation, man. But these are really um, just important examples of people that like you said they might have not had everything in the beginning if anything they didn't have anything yeah they came from nothing and they turned that nothing into something yeah also i mean like you know if you're gonna be the if you're the type of person like me who uh you know when when you have a passion an idea that you're passionate about you kind of dive in with both feet um you're going to have to, there's going to be sacrifices. You know, you're, you're not going to be taking the three trips to, you know, three vacations a year, (laughs) you know? So, uh, but when you're, I mean, when you grow up, like I did where the big game was, um, 
you know, lava. Do you remember playing lava when you were growing up? That's old school. <laughs> the, 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 the ground was lava. Yeah, taking us back. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when you can entertain yourself playing lava around the living room, and because, you know, you're, you don't have the money for the Nintendo or whatever. Although I eventually did get an Nintendo, but that's another story. But, you know, uh, when you're used to living at, you know, when you realize like, oh, my God, like I have survived on so much less than this. And uh, at different times of my life, like those those sacrifices, I guess they don't seem so extreme. And, um, you, you know, so it, I think you can and not that you should have to sacrifice a ton. I, but I mean, the reality of the situation is if you're you know, if you've got a, if you've been spent the last 20 years at a corporate gig and you've been make, you know, pulling in a hundred K plus and suddenly you just got laid off because of COVID and you're thinking about starting a business. Um, obviously it's going to take, it might take a minute <laughs> and depending on your ideas, I mean, you certainly could make more very quickly, but, but for most people, I think if they're new to owning their own business, it's going to take a minute to, to get your income back up to that level. The cool thing is, is that you're always going to make about that much for the next however many years you were at that company before. And now you have unlimited potential to make whatever you want to make and uh, whatever you can, you know, produce for yourself. So, um, so yeah, if you're that person, um, you know, uh, I think it's, it's, um, you know, it's something you have to realize that it's going to be an adjustment to like change your lifestyle to go, to kind of pull that dial back. Right. Right. You know, but when you're like us, (laughs) When you came up and it's like, you mean, you know, I've had, obviously throughout my career, I've had some awesome opportunities and, and the opportunities to make tons of money and stuff. And, and it's been great, but, but I never like really, even when I made crazy money, like I didn't, I mean, my lifestyle changed certainly, but like, mm-hmm. but it didn't change so much. And I never forgot about like, oh yeah, like eh, if this all went away, big deal. Like I could live on. 40 grand a year if I had to, you know? Right. And it's, uh, not the end of the world. Um, and of course that's a relative number. I've lived on way less than that. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be like, wow, someday I'll probably make $40,000 a year. Right. (laughs) Now it's like, yeah, no, now times are different. Times is definitely different. I remember, uh, a lady actually telling me yesterday, you got to, um, lose something in order to gain anything. You see what I'm saying? I thought that was so real when she told me that because, even pursuing um, my own retail company that I just started over a year and a half ago, man, um, and fully uh, just, like, forget both feet. Like, I just cannonballed in this whole joint. You feel me? (laughs) Um, I only had a couple thousand dollars in a dream at that point, but it hasn't stopped me from pursuing what I'm doing. And if anything, I've continued to grow. It just makes you tap in. I'm telling you, just be more creative and more resourceful than you ever thought. Yeah. You know? For sure. And so I think like, yeah, so it's like dive in, you know, if you're ready to make that leap or if you're forced to make that leap, just realize that like, um, you know, yes, there will be sacrifices early on probably, but you can do it. It's not that bad. Like you don't need, um, to the, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a luxurious thing that's completely unnecessary, but you know, you don't have to. You don't need the, to go out to dinner like four nights a week. You you could cook from home and save some money or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you can make those little sacrifices um, for the long term good if if need be. And um, you know, I think obviously, like we said, people growing up 
uh, without a lot. Don't don't even have to like worry about that or, or even think about that. It's it's a, it's an afterthought. You ever um, been skydiving, Chad? I have not. That is something I I do want to do at some point. So here's the thing: when you go up, um, <laughs> they tell you off top, man. Like you can't just sit up there and just look down because you're gonna mentally kill yourself. You see what I'm saying? I feel like it's a lot like entrepreneurship. You know, there's a difference between falling and leaping. Yeah. You see right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you can kind of take that metaphor and apply it to whatever you're doing, that's I'm telling you, that's a, that's, that's a great start. And that's the, if you can take, man, you just crystallize it. That's great. If you can take anything away from this podcast today, it's like, don't just wait and look down over that edge and be freaked out. Like, oh my God, I could get laid off next week. Take that idea you've had on the back shelf or that problem that's been annoying you and start it today. I mean, that's why Hero Smith exists. There's all kinds of resources out there. Um, you know, there, there's a whole entrepreneurial community out there that's like so much great mentorship and so many great resources. I mean, I know we're extra blessed to have all kinds of resources here in Denver, but they're all over the country. There's great stuff and, and you can do it. And then the other factor too is it's not a young person's game. Like I know a lot of people these guys, these consultants, these VPs from these big companies that are getting let, let let go now are thinking, oh, geez, start my own business. I'm not 25. The average age of the entrepreneur in America is 53 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Now. Right. So so it's like we all have like Mark Zuckerberg in our head or, you know, somebody like that, you know. Right. Um, and we all think it's like, you know, college kids. And yes, there's obviously some examples of that. Certainly on the technology front, they tend to be early adopters and embrace change when it comes to technology. And so there's opportunities, but yeah, the average age of an entrepreneur is 53. Uh, that blew me away. I, did, I figured that out in the research for, for starting Hero Smith. And uh, yeah, I was blown away. And now obviously some of those those aren't people just starting a business. That's kind of the average age of everyone that owns a business. But nonetheless, um, n- you know, it's it's never too late to, to start your thing. Let's head over to the news. My man, I got a lot of good stuff for you today, man. I think you're going to be um, I think you're going to be a surprise by a lot of the things you hear. Um, you know, this episode, we really been focused on solutions more than anything, because, you know, you and I have had conversations off camera talking about how negative the media has a tendency to be as far as their primary focus and all the negative effects. But we've definitely focused on the upside and the silver lining throughout this whole pandemic. So um, starting with my first um, news, I definitely want to just bring to y'all something new, something fresh. I wanted to bring to y'all's attention the 10 most unconventional online business course ideas in high demand right now. Nice. With record-breaking unemployment numbers continuing to soar, needless to say, people are desperately searching for solutions both short and long-term in regards to making ends meet. With stay-at-home orders in place throughout the country and the rest of the world during this pandemic, we're suddenly, we've been experiencing an online learning boom. Um, Even before the pandemic, Chad, um, industry analysts have predicted that the e-learning market to exceed over $300 billion by 2025. Wow, that's incredible. And according to... According to uh, students and users on Jeff Lawton online, it says, basically, it turns out that being stuck at home has brought out the creatives in many of us. On one hand, we're figuring out how to be more self-sufficient out of necessity. 
On the other hand, we've become more curious about topics outside of our typical realm. So we talk about that comfort zone and everything yeah. earlier, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right, and I feel like That's as huge. an entrepreneur, you kind of got to get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable, right? So, <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah, so I just wanted to bring to y'all some solutions That's out there. fascinating. Like that, 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 honestly, that doesn't surprise me. One of the main uh, sort of personas that we thought Hero Smith would be great for, and it's actually panned out, there's like five that we had identified and. And the one that we identified that worked out the much what most was um, people who want to be coaches, life coaches, uh, you know, create online classes and courses. Um, and there is an incredible opportunity to do that right now. If you're passionate about something, you have expertise. Um, gosh, I, I cannot, I cannot recommend enough. Uh, you know, starting to share that expertise and, and creating a small business out of, of doing that. Um, there is a huge market, um, you know, in the information era that we live in, you know, uh, you know, having the, you know, I, I basically like in the information era that we're in, I think that um, the, there's so much like data is like almost tap water now like you can get any sort of data you want i mean for the most part sure there's like nuance and like deep you know learning and all that stuff um but like just facts and stats and all that stuff or just like you know uh all that is is it readily available it's in everyone's pocket right if you pull your smartphone if there's a fact you can't remember you can pull it up in like five seconds if you've got signal um but what people don't what is lacking is the nuanced, like the, the experience and the knowledge of like actually doing something. And that's where I think there's a huge opportunity, especially considering so many experienced people are getting laid off now because of all this. And they've, you know, spent 20, 30 years in a particular industry and um, man, those, those people should be starting coaching businesses or online platforms where they, they leverage that experience they had to illuminate it for others. Um, Cause like, yeah, like I said, like there's not really a lot of value around just like facts. You know, people ask me like, well, why do you do these marketing tips of the day? Right. On my mm -hmm. social, the Epic marketing tip of the day. And uh, I, you know, aren't you going to run out of tips and, and maybe I don't, I don't think I will, but <laughs> someday maybe if I'll get a, it gets, it can be a little hard, but, but no, the idea is like, well, why would you give that away? And that's cause I'm like, really, honestly, it's not like th those things are out there. Like you can learn the facts. It's not really about the facts. It's about perspective. It's about nuance and, um, you know, online coaching platforms are, are, and, and teaching platforms, learning platforms are a great way to leverage your nuanced expertise to get people to the next level and help them achieve their dreams. You know? Right. That's why we want to bless y'all, uh, courtesy of Live from the Vault, with um, 10 of the most unconventional niches slash Google searches and trends in high demand right now via eCourse, starting with our number one, homesteading, otherwise known as living off-grid or living self-sufficiently. Uh, monthly Google search volumes for keywords and phrases, including homestead, have 90,000 plus searches. Wow. Sustainable living and off the grid, respectively and individually, 27,000 plus searches. 
I'm one of those. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, do I need to just move to the mountains and build a <laughs> hut? And because you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the world. So I've been, I've, I'm probably one of those 90,000 news. Right. So increasing that. No, that is, a, that's a great opportunity for sure. I think need, a lot of people um, need the Ron Swansons of the world to show us how to build a log cabin. You know, like if somebody had a course to build like an awesome log cabin and maybe they do and I haven't found it yet. Um, I don't care. I don't almost don't care what that would cost. I would probably buy that thing. <laughs> See what I'm saying though? Yeah, exactly. Right? You just hit it on the head. Like when you, when you tap into a passion, like the money aspect is almost irrelevant at that point. Cause I feel like the passion is going to outweigh the financial aspect of it. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I know there's a lot of people. What's number two? I'm infinitely curious. Number two, uh, online dating and relationships. Huh. Uh, Match Group, the online dating giant that owns Tinder, Match.com, Hinge, and others have reportedly experienced significant upticks in activity since the pandemic started. Tinder alone, the number of conversations as well as the length of conversations have spiked 30%, particularly among users under 30 years old. So as far as, once again, the uh, monthly Google search volumes, as far as online dating courses, which have become a high ticket commodity, wow, everything from helping you set up your profile and teaching you what to, what to say once a conversation starts, keywords and phrases as far as online dating, 60,000 plus searches. This is all within a month's time. Wow, that's crazy. Dating coach, 3,600 plus searches, relationship coach. Nearly 2,000 plus search. Wow. That's incredible. Like, uh, you know, I, I totally miss this whole, thank goodness, <laughs> but I totally miss this whole, like, <laughs> tender, like, bumble thing. Like, I think, fortunately, I met my lovely wife, like, right before all that, that kind of came around. I, um, and I count that as a good thing, uh, you know, um, uh, because, uh, goodness, uh, I could, but anyway, no, I, I, that is so fascinating. So, so basically it's people that want to be better at online dating. They, so they would take a course. I've actually, you know, it's funny that reminds me, I just, I was thinking about this. I can't remember who it was, but I met a photographer a couple of years ago, wanted to specialize in taking, uh, like people's pictures for like doing little short little photo shoots to get their tender profile pictures. And I'm like, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, but uh, that seems like a really good business. It's wow, absolutely right in there, most definitely. So if you a, uh, you know, if you a sugar baby looking for a sugar daddy or fellas, if you feel like you know you a ladies man and you just out here killing it on the scene, you could definitely create your own course and come up. There you go. Um, yeah. Number three, uh, personality coaching, Chad. People are naturally inclined to turn inward in times of chaos and are reassessing their relationships, careers, and lifestyle. So with that being said, people are going through major life changes and are looking for guidance and direction, i.e. psychologists and life coaches like sure. you just mentioned. Yeah. So once again, um, as far as the Google, um, Google search volumes, the monthly numbers, as far as this category is concerned, uh, keywords and phrases, including personality tests, 300,000 plus searches. Wow. Personality type, 350,000 plus searches. Fascinating. People are, yeah, we've. This whole thing, I just, it's so interesting to take a, just this slight pause that we sort of had to put on, like, I don't know, probably just like 50% of our reality, right? I mean, we did already obviously spent some time at home before, before all this has just really, I think long-term, I think it's going to be really healthy because I think people are like, okay, so what am I doing with my life? You know, they're being a little more self-reflective and by and large, 
as long as it doesn't delve into narcissism, I think it's um, I think it's a really healthy thing to do. Right. So that's cool. thousand percent. I agree with you. We got two more. I'm actually going to reveal all 10, but for uh, time constraining purposes, I'm going to go ahead and reveal the next two as far as the numbers and everything. Number four, home improvement projects. This goes without saying that the home improvement industry is booming right now. Property owners are motivated to renovate, paint walls, install new floors and anything else, um, you know, that includes updating the home. Courses on general contracting and remodeling have become more popular than ever. As far as the uh, Google search numbers on the monthly, as far as volume, uh, keywords and phrases including bathroom remodeling, 135,000 plus searches. Carpentry, 110,000 plus searches. Kitchen remodeling, 90,000 plus searches. Woodworking, nearly 30,000. Great. Wow. Right. And then our fifth coming in at number five, Dog training. 68% of U.S. households have at least one pet, including 90 million dogs. It's a doggy dog world, so if you ever consider starting an online dog training course, the numbers are strongly in your favor. Once again, keywords and phrases as far as the Google search volume. Dog training, 110,000 plus searches. Pet care, nearly 15,000 searches. As far as the uh, remaining five unconventional online business courses. I totally need the dog training. Right now, I feel like a lot of people. I've been seeing (laughs) I love my dog, but she's she's crazy. Right. I've been seeing them everywhere, Chad. So the remaining five unconventional uh, online business courses include special photography that you just mentioned, Hmm. homeschooling, adventure sports, sewing and knitting, and lashling feng shui. Wow. Interesting. Feng shui snuck in there at the end. Right. That's fascinating. I've always found that concept really interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I know very little about it, but I'd love to learn more. Wow, that's so interesting. Just looking at that overall list, it's so many things that you can tell that, you know, that's a recent, that's really recent data because there's so many things that are, you can do inside or that somehow kind of help one be a little more independent. And that's fascinating. Right. Absolutely. Our second cool. headline, Chad, is going to be LA's first legal liquor store on wheels will be selling booze on the street starting next week. Starting Monday, right. Starting Monday, Sarah's Market in East LA will be delivering will be delivering their beloved goods on the road via their panel van turned mobile liquor store. We hear people tell us all the time, "Oh, we love what you guys are doing, but we don't want to drive all the way to East LA. It's too far." So this is our way to expose ourselves to different areas around Los Angeles. Stephen and Sarah, the owners, basically said. (laughs) So not even twenty four hours after this announcement, Chad. Sarah's on the go liquor store officially began taking orders online for their first day out next week. Nice. Wow. Is that not entrepreneurial? That, that, that is totally entrepreneurial. Now, did you say it was like they had like something illegal in the beginning or what is it? What was the. Nah, the, this is going to be basically the first legal liquor store. LA's first. Oh, legal, like mobile. Right. Mobile liquor first store. legal oh, liquor store. Wow. Right. That's wild. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's a great idea. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, I mean, so many things like, okay. So we talked earlier about starting a business. If there's so much money to be made in making simple things easier for people to do. Yes, sir. Even just make it easier to get alcohol. You know what, Chad? I do want to touch on this a little bit because I was speaking with somebody uh, yesterday, and I'll get to our third headline, our third and final headline, man. Um, I was talking to a lady yesterday because we was talking about Blockbuster. Yeah. You feel me? Right. Remember, remember Blockbuster? <laughs> Every Friday night, going yeah. with the family, renting out video games videos, Mm -hmm. getting the snacks right at the register and everything. It was an experience. This is something that might have been tradition in some families, right? Yeah. We talked about that as far as exchanging that, the experience, 
for the convenience as far as streaming and everything because people yep. want everything like yesterday. So we're in a convenience, instant gratification era right now. We absolutely are. Easy almost, trumps almost everything else. Um, yes, you know, we. I'm sure there was a lot of great dates that I had and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, fun times taking my daughter to Blockbuster, although I think it was pretty much dead. But, well, when she was really young, maybe we went. But, um, and, and, and it was a great experience. And that's important. Creating a great experience is a huge part of creating a great business. But easy will win every time. If you just make it easier, it's going to, I mean, look at, look at the movies, just movies themselves. Like going to the movies versus watching a movie in your home yes. is a pretty drastic difference in terms of experience. And even before movie theaters were closed for COVID, the, the, the theater industry was dying because yes. I would just rather wait and I can pause. And, you know, if I, if I, I got to pause it because the kids, you know, need a bottle or something, I can do that. And, and they've made it easier. And there's a ton of, if you can think of anything that you can do that would make people's lives easier, there's probably a business there. Right. So with, I got, I got to salute them on, they're not reinventing the wheel, Chad. It's not like they're the first company to deliver yeah. goods or anything. They're right. basically taking a, a good that's in high demand, one of the essential businesses right now as far as liquor, and making yeah. it convenient for their customers. I wonder when Colorado's going to allow right. delivery. Right. Somebody's going to make big money on that. It's only a matter of when, not if. At yeah, point, right? exactly. Yeah. And kind of going from that truck to another um, headline as far as food trucks in general. The FDA says food trucks used to store COVID-19 bodies can still be used. The overwhelming oh, loss of God. lives due to coronavirus has found hospitals, funeral homes, and morgues resorting to using food trucks to store human bodies. Oh my God. Now, the Food and Drug Administration has reportedly released a guide on how to clean food transport vehicles that were rented for preservation of human remains related to the coronavirus patients. Refrigerated food transport vehicles can be safely used for food transport and food storage under, circun under certain circumstances, according to a guide from the FDA. This is straight wow. from the FDA.gov website. It is important that the food is protected during transport and storage to ensure food is safe for humans and animals and that conditions do not exist that may adulterate the food. Now, Chad. That's insane. I, I would have never imagined food trucks are being used to store bodies. I'm Goodness. not the one to be short on words, but... I have no words. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? We oh have a God. huge food truck like lane out here in, in Colorado. As oh, far yeah, as, yeah. you know, just the farmer's markets and just small businesses mm -hmm. in general. So, yeah, I mean, actually, one of uh, Hero Smith's members. Um, oh, God, what's the name of their organization? I work with her on a, on another company that she's working on, but there is a great little uh, like uh, food truck accelerator, if you will. Um, uh, for uh, starting your own food truck, uh, a nonprofit here in town, Adelente. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize, Maria, if I'm if I'm mispronouncing that. But um, yeah, food trucks can be great businesses. I, you know what I love about the food truck business? What's that? And I use it as an example when, when I'm working with members on their brand differentiation and um and figuring out their target niche. You know, it's that all great food trucks. Are, are are niches you know what i mean they're yes. like we're the and i don't care how obscure it is i mean you would not believe i mean we're the um you know we're the the empanada truck we're the sushi truck we're the and and 
you don't see a, a, there's not gonna there i mean it's possible but there's not likely to be a successful true food truck that's like the department store of of uh or like the um what's that crazy ass restaurant that everyone used to go to that has the menu that's like 40 pages long um Oh, Cheesecake Factory. There's not going to oh. be a food truck that's the Cheesecake Factory, right? Because, A, you have to just carry too many ingredients. You can even fit it in there. But almost all the successful tr- food trucks have a really well-defined specialization. Like, we just make this. And um, and I and I think that's such a key business point that I use that. So, wow. Um, but, yeah, man, that is some dark stuff, man. Way to end on a dark note, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you pull up at that taco truck, you want, yeah. you want any COVID with that song? Oh, God, man, that's terrible. <laughs> Stuff is oh, crazy. man, they need to like, oh, I don't even know. Like, if you own a food truck that they had to use for that, do not tell anyone. <laughs> and get a, uh, we'll have to, I don't know, we need like a lake full of Lysol or something to right. soak those bad boys in. But man, that that's wild. That's crazy. So next, I wanted to, before we head out, I wanted to just uh, give you our one cool thing of the week. So, you know, uh, all of us became really aware of how much data everyone has on us. And, um, and uh, you know, with the whole Facebook controversy from a few years ago, which now almost seems like not a big deal, but it is kind of a big deal. So, um so I wanted to share our one cool thing of the week is the browser called Brave Browser. It's a browser that's um, that functions essentially just like Google Chrome. And I think it's even based on like the Google Chrome kernel. That's easy for me to say. Um, but it it automatically filters out all advertisements, all tracking cookies, Um and it's really cool. They have like a, um, you know, and you, it's free. You can download it. And basically anywhere you're browsing, it'll block out all the ads and it won't allow the website that you're browsing, the website you're browsing on to, to leave cookies on your site. Unless you want, obviously some sites you might want to do that. So this is a web browser and not a search engine? Yeah, it's a web browser, oh, which I thought dope. was pretty cool. That's you know? I mean, there's always been DuckDuckGo, which, you know, is, is a great um option if you if you're concerned about google kind of tracking your your search history and stuff like that um you know my my only problem with that is that their damn results just aren't as good as google's but um you can still use google uh if you can leverage the browser brave and uh i highly recommend check the show notes i'll have a link to the browser brave in there it's a great uh awesome way to have an ad-free experience and uh online so that's your one cool thing of the week DeAndre Dow, tell them what you're all about, DeAndre. NoCap.World, you already know this is the head honcho, the big cheese, brand ambassador. Dot world coming soon. Nice. Awesome. I want to thank Pine Tree Janitorial Service for our theme music. Uh, it's called All My Complaints. Very apropos for us. Check them out at pinetreejs.com or, you know, Spotify. Uh, hit, the, hit the repeat. Let it play all night while you're sleeping. Help us support these artists, you know? All right, we'll see you next time. This has been Live from the Vault.